What is going on? Know your news and Out of Bounds fans. It's time for another edition, episode seven, in fact, of Out of Bounds on this weird Thursday edition of the program. I'm John Alba, my girl, Mia O'Brien, back in the back of a Cadillac with me here. What's going on, Mia? Well, good, good to have you back. Yes, thank you. Thank you for uh, all the various guests that have sat in while I was Thanksgivinging and then uh, had the parents here a couple weeks ago. I know we had a show in between then and there. So appreciate uh, all the help and the flexibility around this wonderful holiday season. Yes. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did indeed. Um, I did the math. So let's start from last Monday when I skipped uh, last Monday's show because I had a Friendsgiving. So that's meal number one. That one, John, since I know you're really into cooking lately, I know you'll appreciate because we all knew we were going to be eating Thanksgiving meals later in the week, we did spins on all your favorite traditional Thanksgiving foods. So, like, we're talking turkey meatballs, but with a cranberry jelly sauce. We're talking mashed potato balls, like but, like, rolled up like a fried ravioli type deal. So, yeah, so we did some of that cool stuff I like that. And then the turkey meatball with the cranberry jelly sauce. That- yeah, it was really good. I actually, and then I brought a bunch home and I threw them uh, into a, like a little like charcuterie board uh, with cheese and stuff later in the week. It was great. Um, but so that was Monday. Then Tuesday at my day job at 1010XL, 92.5 FM, we did a Thanksgiving cook-off. So we had like, we set up like a, like a bracket thing almost where we had like one person, like turkey number one goes against turkey two, mashed potato one against mashed potato two. So we had multiple winners. So, um, so I was in for that one. I was in the Brussels sprouts category. So as you know, that is one of my favorite things to make my bacon balsamic Brussels sprouts, which I was the victor in the vegetable division. Um, So that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I didn't do anything. I went uh, Black Friday shopping on a Wednesday, kind of like us doing Out of Bounds on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual Thanksgiving, your full slate, ham, turkey, the whole nine yards. And then Friday, the same friends that hosted Thanksgiving also hosted a UF FSU watch party. And since I know you are very into your state game these days, John, um, our, our good friend Matt Head has invested in a smoker. And so we put the brisket on Thanksgiving night while I was there. And then we didn't take the brisket out until about like, I guess it would have been like two o'clock the next day. Okay. And then also had a pork butt as well. Okay. And that was really what, oof, that, that was the Friday was when I was like, okay, the food coma is real. Yeah. Walk definitely. me through all the food you ate because I know I just felt like I was going to just keep Definitely over. still working on, on the whole brisket game. I've, I've tried smoking brisket a few times. I've had a if little done bit. Right, it's, it's 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 it may be my favorite. It may be my favorite. Yeah. It's a really challenging thing to do because it's a very long cook to do as well. Cause I'm in that stage of my life right now where it's 3am I'm up, I'm wired and I'm watching videos on how to uh, grill and smoke and sous vide. God bless you. I'm at the stage in my life where I want to go to bed by midnight. So oh, I would like to go to bed by midnight, but as we know, 24 seven, the thunder rolls and we don't get a chance to do that. But uh, food wise, it was pretty much a Wednesday night, Thursday thing for me with Thanksgiving. And then I was over in, uh, North Carolina for Wrestlecade this past. That's right. I was there from Friday all the way through Monday because I got stranded there. Because which it airport? It wouldn't be traveling on a John Alba dime if I didn't get delayed or canceled. Uh, I was in Greensboro. Oh, interesting. Here. Okay, all right. So not one of the major airports either. No, it wasn't was like a Charlotte. Part, that was part of the problem. So I sat down at my gate and the second I sat down, I got a text that my flight was canceled. So 
Uh, things are great and we're having a great time, but I am having a great time here on Out of Bounds. And I'm excited to talk about the weird and wacky in the sports world. And we want you to get involved with us here. Of course, KYNchat.com. You can leave a super chat for us that we will read. Or the easiest way to do it, you can just right here in the YouTube stream, just leave a super chat. We will read your comment on air. We want to see what you've got to say about the topics that we are going to talk about. Mia, I think it is just about time for our opening toast. What's your beverage here today that you got on your docket? First, I'm sharing our link to make sure that uh, I'm literally tweeting. By the way, leave a comment because we love comments. So hopefully we will get more comments and more super chats as well because we love those super chats. Uh, I am currently drinking. I need to get the name brand. It's in the other room. Um, But I am drinking a rum infused wine. It's a Merlot that a couple of my buddies brought me a few weeks ago. Um, still got a little bit of that left. And since I am making meatballs and spaghetti tonight, um, I figured. And a little, a little Italian. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I got a Patron infused margarita. This is delicious. This is the good stuff. So uh, cheers to the post Thanksgiving holiday. And this is your favorite season seasons. This isn't, that's your elf. So you're going to have to do an episode in the elf cost. Oh, you know that's coming. That's absolutely so, so coming. So cheers to Rest you. Assured. Let's do it. Mm. Delish. Uh, boy, that's the good stuff. And the good stuff right now, Mia, It's what's going on with Team USA and a whole bunch of balls. What's the story here? Yeah, the good stuff is that Christian Pulisic, uh, the star of the United States men's national team, confirmed to reporters this morning, no, he did not hurt his balls on what proved to be the game-winning score in the final group stage match on Tuesday against Iran across the pond in Qatar. Um, The hope is that Christian Pulisic will be available against the Netherlands this weekend in the round of 16 game on Saturday morning. Uh, Yes, it, it was not the balls. It was a pelvic contusion. John, my question for you. Was this the biggest question in American sports this past week? Easily. We were all very. How much mileage in your various podcasts and other media endeavors did you get out of balls jokes? Because I got a lot of mileage. We're all very concerned about his balls. Everyone. There were many balls to be had here in the World Cup. And none of them had anything to do with the balls on the field. Speaking That's... of my favorite season, we uh, we refer to it as the Jingle Bells. It was his Jingle Bells. But apparently it was not the bells. It was just mm-hmm. the pelvis. Mm-hmm. It was just his pelvis. He's okay. This is, uh, again, contextualizing here for those who don't follow soccer. He is he's the brand right now with Team USA. He's the LeBron. He's the best player. Actually, LeBron's uh, probably like, because LeBron's going to go down as like all time. I'll say like, he's like the Kevin, no, not the Kevin Durant either. He's like the Steph Curry because he's like the popular. He's the brand. And when your best player goes down in a must-win match, and maybe technically it was a must-win, but for all intents and purposes, it was was a must-win to get out of the group stage. So So, a tie would not have gotten them out of the group stage. So, which I do have a joke about that too. So continue. What's your, what's your joke? Go ahead and say it. Oh, my joke has been, I've been saying it on the air and I tweeted it too. Um, I, Greg Berhalter is the head coach of the United States mm-hmm. men's national team. And now we are looking at not one, but two games because it happened against Wales in the opener as well, in which the Americans go up one, nothing. There is still about 20 to 30 minutes to play and they go into prevent defense, which reminds me, John, of one of my favorite instances of prevent defense in the history of the National Football League. That being reference. No, that being the 2020 New York Football Jets with okay. Greg Williams. Okay. Uh, but it did affect the Jaguars because 
that was the game against the Raiders, I believe, where the like the Jets were in control the entire game. Sam Darnold was throwing mm. that ball, and uh, it looked like the Jets might actually win, as you remember. The Jets and the Jaguars were, you know, jockeying for position to draft Trevor Lawrence, and so um, we're all watching in the press box at the Jags game, and we're like, oh my god. They're going to actually win. Like, here it comes. Here comes the moment. And then Greg Williams went in to prevent defense, and the Raiders and Derek Carr scored with, like, three Thank seconds you. left on the clock. And so that is what I feel like with Greg Berhalter in the United States. Um, they just immediately, as soon as they're up one nothing, which, as we know, in soccer and in almost every sport is the most dangerous lead yeah. you can possibly Usually have. Usually not enough. Right, one nothing in baseball, one nothing in soccer, 7 nothing in football. You probably don't want to be – holding onto a one-score lead and thinking we're good. But that's what the Americans do. And so, John, my bigger question, besides making fun of Berhalter and Williams and the fact that they both spell their name with three Gs, which is weird, um, is the fact that outside of Christian Pulisic, the golden boy, who, I mean, yeah, he's a goal scorer, obviously, even if he comes off the bench for his club team in Chelsea over uh, across the pond. But the fact of the matter is, is that in a culture where – all we want to talk about as Americans is we love offense. Defense is overrated. Sure. In the NBA, they don't play defense anymore. We always hear that. What? National Football League, it's basically seven on seven, and that's the way the offenses are geared towards. Then how in the heck do we not have an alpha who just wants to rip a shot and wants to score on our United States men's national soccer team? Blows my mind. I think, and this kind of goes back to the conversation that we were having the other day week a couple weeks ago with MLS where the top scorers in MLS are 95% foreign talent and they're coming from the premier league past experience in the premier league or a lower division of European soccer and coming over and they shine because that is just the offensive mentality there. Wayne Rooney predicted that England was going to win four, nothing over the U S which we know did not happen in this, but it was because the mentality is different there. I think that defense, we defense can win champion defense wins championships, right? And, and right. defense can win championships, but it's not going to win you a World Cup final. It's just the reality of it because uh, there is just so much elite scoring across the board with these other countries. Uh, I, I will say, Mia, reaching the knockout stage was critical for Team USA in trying to con- convince soccer fans in the United States that this is a team that is worth investing in. And it did massive, massive viewership, did that England match as well as the Iran match. I just, uh, I think they, they need to get Pulisic back out there. He, he needs to be back out there for the scene. He says that he's going to be good to go. He's not going to miss it. When you have as few recognizable stars in the mainstream that the United States has, you need a guy like him back out there. He is your sense of offense. He is the guy that people are paying to watch. When you have stars who are attractions, that's how you market your team. And as the U.S. moves into the round of 16 here, him being on that pitch is absolutely critical. Yeah, and also, I mean, there were were some people before he scored the goal, which in case you missed it, he scored the ball or scored the goal with his lower balls. Yes, that region. Um, Before he scored, John, there were some people who were saying he looked like almost like too tunnel vision. He was like too like angry, like running all over the place. And people were saying they should have pulled him anyways because he couldn't get his head on straight. But the problem is is that he's the only one who wants to score. I mean, I guess you could say Weah is kind of like a scorer, but he's more of a finesse guy. And I think that's inherently an issue with this American team as well. And that's an issue we see across American sports of – they're too much of a finesse team. They're, they want to just get style points. And so um, 
I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, you know, the Netherlands obviously poses a challenge, but I, I think it's going to be if they were to advance. I mean, look, I mean, Argentina's getting style points too. I mean, even though they're missing easy, you know, layups like a PK that Messi missed earlier this week. But, like, it goes back to what we see in all American sports. It's all about the style points. Yeah. And it's not – just rip the shot. And I feel like I was saying that when I was playing, and now I'm saying it as I'm a fan. Like, I just rip the shot, man. Like, just try. Enough of this. I need to set it up perfect. It's never going to be perfect. That's why he scored with his balls. Like – Find a way to win. Use your balls, not your head. Yeah. Is is the late fall, early winter World Cup working for you? Are you are you into that? Um, yes and no. Like I'm I'm watching mm-hmm. because I think the times work. Um, I know like for us in the office, it's kind of hilarious. Like we're supposed to be working and then you like go down the hallway and every single person has it on their laptop is like they're in their office. And like, that's kind of amazing. Um, but at the same time, like I loved the 2014 world cup and granted I was working at a bar that summer. Um, like I, I enjoyed the fact that there was no other sports aside from baseball going on, but believe the Stanley cup had just wrapped up. The NBA finals were wrapping up slash had wrapped up. And so it was the only thing. And so everybody was so hyped. That's why I think the summer serves it very well in that regard. And people pretend to care about soccer for a few months. Because it gives them something. I mean, it's the same thing with the Olympics in the summer. Well, and it was like. All of a sudden, we're all experts in equestrian and water polo. Yeah, it was like with COVID when you first started seeing sports start to come back. And it's like all of a sudden, yeah, I love Love Korean baseball. You're not going to find a bigger Korean baseball, a bigger KBO fan than than this guy right here. Hey, people got into Formula One because of that. Part of that was a Netflix Mm -hmm. series, but also they got into Formula One. Mm -hmm. People got into golf because they could play it, but also because it was one of the first sports back. Yeah. So So I just I the the whole winner thing is weird for me. And plus, Qatar and all the human rights violations. Oh, yeah. And then the not not allowing to stand for the anthem. It's a big turn off for me, just the fact that they're in bed with Qatar here and how that all works out. So, yeah, uh, not necessarily for me. From one football to another, Mia, the 12-team playoff is in. Oh, baby. We are off to the races here. And the first round are going to be home site games, which is uh, something that I think was kind of up in the air and people weren't sure was going to be the case, but we are going to get home site games in the first round of the college football playoff, expanding from four teams to 12 teams in 2024, 2025. This has been one of the most hotly debated topics over the last decade in college football. We have seen so many schools complain and fans complain. Will fans finally stop complaining now that we have a 12-team playoff, Mia? No. Why not? Because they're going to find more things to complain about with you like this 12, system. 12 a good number? I love 12, John. I love 12 because having covered the FCS when I was living in Iowa, um, and I got into an argument with someone today about this, and you know this from covering Maine, like you love the bracket when it comes to college basketball. So how can you hate the bracket when it comes to college football? We have the bracket in college soccer. It's different, granted, for college baseball and college softball, but, you know, there's some tweaks. It's still a bracket, so to speak. College lacrosse, it's a bracket. Like, you go down the list. Brackets. And we love brackets. So why not have one for college football? So that's number one. Um, number two – okay, hopefully my books – I get too excited. My books like to fly whenever I'm I'm doing this podcast. Um, so that's number one. Um, you should love brackets. But yet, but yet, even though the FCS subdivision of football has had a bracket for years now – And yet we act like, well, that's not the same sport. 
it is very much the same sport. I had someone today try to tell me that North Dakota State, yes, I know the Fargo Dome only sits 19,000 people, but last I checked, it's produced how many NFL quarterbacks, yeah. top well, three NFL quarterbacks, mind you, between yep. Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. Chris Kleiman's team in Kansas State, he previously coached North Dakota State to five national titles. They're number 10 in the country at the FBS Power 5 level. They're playing for a Big 12 championship this weekend. So do not poo-poo the style of football that they played, which is the same <laughs> sport that you play and they've had a bracket for years they've had incredible home sites and so i don't understand the poo-pooing of that so i say i say all that i'm going to tell you right now what the, what their two biggest two biggest issues are going to be number one is the group of five bid the fact that a group of five right. school is going to be one of the 12 so that's number one and, and then and number where, where in the 12 does the group of five team end up ultimately? you may get two what if you get two you may I, get two I mean, in 2020, we would have had two. And then the second thing that they're all going to be upset about is the fact that you're a top four C, but you don't get to play at home for your first game. You have to play in a bowl game. And part of that is because, well, guess what? The other thing that American sports fans love besides the bracket is the bowl system. We love bowl madness. And so they have to protect the bowl system. But that's no different than how it is right now. You're already playing in a bowl game in the playoff as is. So I... I understand the saying, well, the other team gets a home game. Well, guess what? That other team has to play another game in the first place because they weren't as good as you. Right. So, yeah, they're going to get a home game, but they might lose that home game. My, my biggest right. thing with 12 is just that you do open yourself up for some teams that are kind of middle of the line making it. And I understand if you're going to be in the top 12 teams in college football, you generally have to be a pretty good team. But some teams have a really easy strength of schedule early in the season, and then at the end they run into some problems and they'd still squeak in to a top 12 spot. And that's where I think fans will complain because you'll see stuff like that. Now, hypothetically speaking, had that's, this 12-team bracket been in place this year, here's what the first-round matchups would have been like. It would have been Penn State hosting Clemson, Ohio State hosting Tulane, Tennessee hosting Washington and Alabama hosting uh, Utah. Now, I don't know about you, but most of those matchups don't sound super appealing to me. No, those ones in particular do not. I would but agree. My with point that. is we can end up in a situation like this. It's still football. They're still going to watch. And I, I get that. I understand that fans and it's, are going and to it's winter. And the other thing too, winter go home. Absolutely. hundred percent. Right. People love that. Yeah. That's why. I, that's why I was getting so frustrated on my uh, noon to three show today because, like, my co-hosts are like, "Yeah, but like, what if the crappier team advances?" And I'm like, "Well, guess what? It's one and done. That's what a bracket is. What do you think the NCAA tournament is? When St. Peter's and was peacocking its way to the Elite Eight last year, everyone in the country was rooting for them. And did we know that? Yes, in theory." They're probably not as good, quote unquote, of a team as Purdue or Kentucky, but it doesn't matter because they beat them. And that's that. what it is. Well, and, and that's that is the beauty of it. You're giving a team an opportunity to show that they belong. And think of how the ba- this is where fans will start to really crap all over the system eventually is if an SEC team has a bad day in the first round and they lose and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa. They're, they're not on the same level as that SEC team. 
Oh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, This is unfair. This is right. It's the football elitists of like, how dare you? But in the same token, it's like, well, South Carolina beat Tennessee and no one was saying anything. That was, ah, you know, any given day in the SEC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because they know there will be another day to play. Meanwhile, South Carolina beat Clemson and little old Clemson's like, I think I just saw a tweet that like Dabo made all of like everyone in the support staff building in the football building from like the janitors to the massage therapist, like everyone had to stay late and they had to like sleep over to like talk about their feelings. So like, yeah, man, like you have, you can have your sec bias. That's great. But like, but other conferences are going to keep on going. You're going to have, it's going to be twofold. You're going to have the fans that complain about their team, not getting in and all we need a 24 team playoff, which we don't. No. <laughs> or 16-team playoff, which I don't think we need either. Or or you're going to get the flip side where a team with a very passionate fan base loses early, and that's when you're going to see the outrage come up. 12 teams. But that's the fun of it. And I agree with you. And for all the people who are like, well, it, just, it should be kept in the four teams. If the top four teams are good enough, they're going to win. And right. It's as simple as and that. And then guess what? Then they were supposed to be the top and four teams. Supposed to be I that. didn't see right. anyone complain the first year of the four-team playoff in which fourth-seeded Ohio State, with a third-string quarterback, won the national championship. Who did not come to play school, might I add. Yes. <laughs> yes. But here's the thing. is like Back then, everyone loved it. And granted, it was because it was the first year of a four-team playoff, and I think we were enamored with that. But moreover, there were so many people saying, well, this was proof. Imagine if we still had the FBS system, at the uh, the BCS system. If we still had the BCS system, Ohio State doesn't get an invite to the party. And was that really fair when they proved that they were the best of the four teams? Speaking of invites to the party, me O'Brien. Good segue, John Alba. Way to catch me there. Russell Wilson. Now, he's been in the news a time or two over the last few weeks. No, not because he's married to superstar Sierra, uh, but because his team hates him. Um, and now the question is, um, do they hate him so much they didn't go to his birthday party? Yes, Sierra threw Russell a birthday party earlier this week. Only half of the team attended. It is a scene right out of the film draft day if you remember that one John Alba um the prospect that the Cleveland Browns were looking at uh one of the factors for why they did not draft him even though he was a star quarterback was that they had a mole on the campus tell them that in fact none of his teammates showed up to his birthday party and that was a red flag to the Cleveland Browns front office including Kevin Costner so my question is John is this a red flag for Russell Wilson I'd say so. I can't. I mean, and I'm not normally one to buy into this. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, these are adults. If they choose not to go to a birthday party, it's really not. The end of it was the a school night. It happens, even though they have the, even though they have Tuesday off. But whatever. Continue. These have families. And right. pro- they'd probably rather be. What was spe- the weather in Denver? We didn't even ask that. We should have looked that up. Yeah. Maybe there was a big snowstorm. Who's right. to say? But uh, maybe it was like the one like night stay where it's like 90 degrees randomly in December. Sure. It's somewhat concerning that this is, in the grand scope of things, you're combining this with what we've seen happen on the field. We saw a couple of his own players blow up at him this past weekend from defense for not being able to keep the defense off the field and having sustaining drives. Uh, There is a problem here, and you're lying to yourself if you're saying that there's not. Uh, This is when we've talked about this in weeks past here on this podcast This is a team that gave up a lot 
for a guy who they were hoping would have second wind as a, an elite starting quarterback in the for NFL. a franchise that thought they were a quarterback away. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are. Maybe it's they coach. might be. They maybe might still coach. be a quarterback away. Right. I think the the bigger question, John, is is this a matter of Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson are not a good marriage, or is this a matter of going back to Richard Sherman and now what we're hearing from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and some of the guys still in Seattle that maybe Russell just wasn't that good of a teammate to begin with. And this is a young Broncos team. So we can't tell that, but uh, you do have some people talking, as you said, and uh, look, maybe, maybe it is a coaching philosophy thing. Look what's going on in Miami right now. Now that Tua has a coach that believes in him, Tua has become a top five potentially quarterback in the league. He's been the number one quarterback statistically this entire year. So I, I just, I don't want to jump to conclusions before I've got no, it. I agree. But I know, but you're right. Because I think Tua, Tua is who he is because he has Mike McDaniel. Yeah. If he had any other coach, we're right in Tua he would be right. He's the next Geno Smith. Right. So maybe that's what it boils down to. I mean, say what you want about Pete Carroll, but Pete Carroll is a coach that knew how to work with quarterbacks. And that's certainly an element of the success that he's had. And maybe that was part of it. Maybe the reason he treated uh, Russell different is because he recognized what the Denver Broncos clearly are not, that there were flaws, and he had to praise him more than other players just to get the best out of him. Maybe this came down to the fact that she got a standard icing cake and not an ice cream cake for the party. It's possible. It's very possible. Maybe they were not serving Vuv champagne, and they were serving something off the shelf that you could just run over and pick up. So I will say this too. my co-host on my daily show, Leon Searcy played for the Jags, all pro also played for the Steelers, went to a bunch of pro bowls. Um, he said like being in an, in an NFL locker room, like you respect all your teammates, you don't have but to like them all. you don't have to like them all. So that's the other thing too. This is the leader of the team. Right. And he's supposed to be like quarterback. Right. But a lot of money too. Yeah. I think it's right. And I think that's where this is more like, he's supposed to be like the cool kid. Like, you're supposed to like the cool kid. They don't like the cool kid. Well, because he's not cool. He's inherently not cool, in fact. He's corny. Somewhat. Right. So here, so let us let me ask you this, then. Um, we know, uh, well, I'm, glad, I'm so upset I missed last week's show. We really should have put it in this week's rundown, but that's okay. We'll pivot to it. Um, Zach Wilson. Um, yes. We talked extensively about Zach Wilson. Oh, the, re- the rhetoric, the agenda. Oh, I'm here. I was dancing on graves last Wednesday. Russell Wilson, ready? Russell Wilson is the kind of guy that if Twitter Blue had ended up costing twenty dollars a month, he would have paid for it just for that blue check. Yes, that's Russell Wilson. Right. That's a, actually a really good. That's analogy. a great analogy. Would Zach Wilson have paid? Would Zach Wilson have paid for it? Uh, no, Zach Wilson would have expected to be a legacy. Yes, he would. Exactly. He no. My friend Phil came up with a great analogy. He said Zach Wilson has such. Well, my daddy says energy. Well, yeah, my dad owns. My dad owns. My daddy bought me this. So my dad it's owns okay. a dealership, bro. The yeah. point. All right. So, so aside from loving just all the chaos in New York right now, because it's not in Jacksonville. Knock on every piece of wood you can find. First time in four years that I don't have to deal with it. Um, the 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 just yeah. Anyways, um, with Zach Wilson, he was benched because his team didn't support him because his, he quite frankly wouldn't stand up for his defense uh he refused to take the blame and clearly players in the locker room weren't happy and so now we look at russell wilson Mm -hmm. and the fact that his defense called him out and so my question john is is 
do you bench Russell Wilson like they bench Zach Wilson? Or does Zach Wilson have the excuse of, well, he's a rookie. He needs to learn. He's not a rookie, but it's it's a different. I know, but it's it's a different kind of baggage because Zach Wilson is not an established star in the NFL. Russell Wilson is. Mm -hmm. So pulling the trigger on benching Zach Wilson is a lot easier than pulling the trigger on benching Russell Wilson. It's just the reality of it. It I will give you a quote that was given to me by several of my colleagues here from former Florida Gator athletic director, Jeremy Foley. And when Dan Mullen was being fired last year, Uh, This was the line that everyone from athletic director, current athletic director, Scott Strickland to everyone in the media kept reiterating. And it was what must be done eventually should be done immediately. Yeah, I get that. But also there are other layers to this. This could be a coaching thing. This could be like you look at they're going to have to run it back. You look at the Jets. There's too much money involved. They can't pull a Carson Wentz. No. You look at the Jets, that's not a coaching thing. That's evident that that's not a coaching thing. They have one of the best defenses in the league. It's not a coaching thing. It's the other factors. Uh, but sticking with quarterbacks here, boy, how Oh, the mighty have fallen. Deshaun Kaiser was Aaron Rodgers' backup for hot second. And in their first meeting together, he said Aaron Rodgers called him into a room and the first thing that Aaron Rodgers said to him was, so, do you believe in 9-11? Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't say I'm Kaiser, surprised. Kaiser said that he thinks that it was an attempt at bonding and creating some sort of Hey, let's knock the barriers down now and let's just let's just see where we're at kind of thing. I want to prove I'm the smartest guy in the room. To me, this is sociopathic behavior, but just to me. Um, I guess my question is, is this some weird bonding thing that only players would get? You're in locker rooms. Is that the case here? Or is this uh, telling of Aaron Rodgers more no, than no. I, I think it's Aaron Rodgers trying. No, it's not that he's like some crazy conspiracy. I mean, he, I mean, maybe Shailene, you know, we've seen some things, right? Exactly. We have seen some things. some things. Um, what year would this have been? What year was Deshaun Kaiser the backup? I'm trying to say would have been, I think three or four years ago. Was that before or after Shailene? I, I think mean, that's very important. to I think it was 2018, I say. Okay. So that's before Shailene. So we need to make a note of that because that is very, yes, it was 2018. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers is crazy. Like he's kooky. He went to Cal. We have to remember that too. Nothing against the good people of Cal Berkeley, but like, you know, there's some interesting, you know, theories floating around out there um, on both ends of the spectrum. Um, nothing against them, but if you've seen the Field of Dreams, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I think um, I, if I had to guess, this was truly Aaron Rodgers. Like, you know, when you play like 20 questions and you like throw like your, or even when you're like doing a dating app, That's and, it. like you throw your most random question. No, like it's a hell of an icebreaker. No, but people throw it like that. Might well, be I know. On your I've program. seen it. I've seen right. it. Right, but that's what I think. I think Aaron Rodgers is just a weirdo. And so that's like, he was like, you know, like trying to evaluate not just what Kaiser would say, but how he answered the question. Like, I feel like that's Aaron Rodgers' MO. 
he would be like, all right, let's see how he evaluates it, I know, also analyzes think, this, and how this might relate to his processing Aaron on Rogers the field. I thought he was being really smart when he asked that question. Yes! He thought, Yes! I'm very intuitive by asking this man if he believes that 9-11 happened as it happened. Yes, I'm telling you. I don't think it was meant like he's a crazy conspiracy theorist. No, I, I do just... think that. I do think that. I do Kaiser, think that. Sean Kaiser went to Notre Dame, and so, like, there's probably, like, a Cal Notre Dame. Like, we're both no. honorary Ivies. Oh, like, Rodgers I need to test your wits. Insane. Aaron Rodgers is insane, and I'm tired of giving these pro athletes cover just because they're famous and pro athletes that they're not capable of spreading insane conspiracy theories look what we just saw with Kyrie Irving and everything that happened there what athletes say matter they have a platform and when you use it now given this happened in the closed door conversation so I'm not going to knock him for that but when you utilize your platform to spread conspiracy theories it to me it's just not responsible and I know that Every, look, everyone's entitled to their own beliefs. I'm not sitting here saying he can't be a potential 9-11 conspiracy theorist, no matter how crazy I may personally think that is. He reserves the right to think that. But when you start as this weird, oh, let me let me get a gauge on my teammate here. Let me see. And what happens if Kaiser's like, bro, you're insane? Then what? Then, that, then that's how he reads his character analysis. And maybe he goes back to the tarot cards and comes up with something else that the tarot cards say he should ask him next. I, I truly think that Aaron Rodgers is just kooky. And that's, yeah. like, that's, that's you know, this is just how he's he, insane. Maybe I should, ask Alan, I, sh- I should ask Alan Lazard what he asked him when they we, met. We've learned this a lot in the last five years about Aaron Rodgers. There are a lot of layers. Well, about Aaron Rodgers and about a lot of other athletes, um, not just Kyrie, yeah. like, and not conspiracy theories either, because you got plenty of athletes who, uh, you know, you find out, like, you know, and again, politics aside, but politics involved, what side of the aisle folks are le- living on? All right, let's get to something I know you've wanted to talk all week about. Oh, yes. Thank goodness. Let's stay in the National Football League, folks. Oh, yes. Look at that. Mm-hmm. God bless Duval and all of America. Yes. So Jackson DeVille, the mascot for the. Yeah, how are you going to sing at the Springsteen concert? Yes. Um, so that is Jackson DeVille. De- Jackson DeVille. He is the mascot of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am good friends with him. Uh, no, not the guy in the suit, the actual mascot. Um, so he has worn this costume before. Reportedly, the reason that he sported the Speedo thong, whatever you want to call it, look, was because, and I can attest to this because I got caught in this rainstorm as well. Um, you there, got caught in an American flag Speedo. No, 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 no. So, so we're on the we're we're on the field for pregame warmups at eleven forty. Perfectly sunny out. Noon hits, and all of a sudden, these like gray clouds roll in, whatever. And then all of a sudden it starts raining and we're like, okay, like who's going to be the chicken and go under the overhang and go into the tunnel first. Um, It absolutely downpoured as if it was a mid-July summer four o'clock. Because it's Florida. Correct. Uh, Although it had been like 60 degrees the day before, so it was kind of random, but whatever. Um, So it absolutely downpours. And I guess reportedly Jackson DeVille was not prepared for the weather to take the turn that it did. And so therefore um, that was the only other costume that they had that he could put on that was dry while the other one was drying. And so he put that costume on and apparently much of the American television audience had never seen it before. I've seen him wear it because he wears it because it's lighter 
during like September games when it's 90 million degrees at the bank. And so, um, so yeah. So anyway, so he wore that. Um, my good friend who I'd like to give a shout out to the one, the only Christopher Medlin at Kahuna Med on the Twitter machine. Um, he pointed out accurately that if you go back and you watch the broadcast, Jackson had that on. Andrew Catalan, play-by-play for CBS, literally said, I'm not sure if we're allowed to show this on national TV. Um, But then in the third quarter, he switched to his primary outfit, his primary costume. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Jaguars went down 19 to 10, John. Mm. And so then he came back and he put Speedo back on in the other costume. And then the Jaguars went on to win. Rally Speedo. It's a rally Speedo. The Jaguars need to have Jacksonville wear it in Detroit this weekend. I just want to point this out, and I don't care if people think this is getting sociopolitical, but I'm just going to say this. We have this whole thing in the last few years. Oh, respect the flag. Stand for the anthem. Better not kneel. Respect my flag. This man slash Jaguar, anthropomorphic creature, wherever the hell you say it is wearing an American flag over his human junk. How in any way is that, quote-unquote, respecting the flag? Now, personally, I don't care. He can do whatever the hell he wants to do. doesn't bother me. But let's call a spade a spade here. <laughs> like, come on now. In the NFL, I bring this up because the NFL is at the center of all this stuff. So... We can't say stand and respect. And, and Jacksonville flag. is a military town, too, sure. might I add. We can't say stand and respect my flag as the Jaguars mascot struts his ass out there in a skin tight American flag speedo. With cheeks. I had to explain to several of our listeners, um, at least in, from my vantage point, I just thought it was the speedo, which he's worn before. And like I had to literally explain to them what a speedo was and that Michael Phelps, American hero, wore a Speedo when he won a record eight gold medals sure. at the 2008 Beijing Games. So uh, that was fun. Um, and with these listeners who, no offense, um, 60 years old and really didn't realize anything, um, that's fine. Um, but I have had some other folks that were closer to the game field uh, inform me that uh, this may or may not have been some sort of thong because the cheeks were hanging out. Speedo for men, you typically don't see Michael Phelps's cheeks it's hanging out. So that was an interesting play. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. The previous iterations where he just has the speedo on, it's not the case. So I don't know what sparked this, but mm. I will I will find out and report back at next week's episode. So, so do you anticipate that Jackson Deville will be wearing this speedo going forward? I think he has to. Uh-huh. They had the most epic comeback. Trevor Lawrence had his coming out party. They have no choice. They're going to Detroit where it's going to be a high of 38 degrees. Granted, Ford Field is indoors they this weekend. Indoors. Yes. yes, it doesn't matter. All the more reason. It's indoors. So he's got to wear it this weekend. They're going to Nashville the next weekend. It could be 30 some odd degrees there. Wear it there. I don't care. If they win this, if they win against the Detroit Lions and he, if only for a quarter, wears the Speedo, I'm just saying. See, I'm just glad you're not rally in Speedo TV anymore because if you were in local TV, I know you'd be making this a bit where eventually Mia might even show up in an American flag Speedo. So. Uh, let's let's count our lucky stars. That no, just be glad lucky. that it's December. It's elf costume season, so we're that's, fine. That's right. Uh, let us know your thoughts on Jackson Deville's Speedo uh, via Super Chat or KYNChat.com. We want to see what you guys 
have to say here. Uh, let's continue moving on into some baseball talk. That right there is James Click with his hand race doing the Ithaca Bomber one. Throw yeah. One. Throw one up for the Bombers. Uh, this was after the Houston Astros won the World Series. And you're saying, yeah, that was pretty impressive, right? Yeah. The Astros finally get the World Series without the taint of the cheating. They did it with the analytics. Well, guess what? Apparently, the Astros hate the analytics. <laughs> This is how they built their team. They built their franchise this way. Well, Hall of Famer Jeff Bagwell, he's an assistant for the world champion Astros alongside a guy like Reggie Jackson. He says the team was not a fan of how Click and his analytics team approached the game. He said, quote, this game is played by humans, man. It's not played by computers. The game has advanced so much, but at the end of the day, it's about driving runs in, scoring runs, getting 27 outs before the other team. That never changes. Trying to get a mix of both of those is what I'm trying to get some of up there because that's what Jim Crane wants. (sighs) Mia. Yes. Did we miss something here? The Astros just won the World Series because... Of their advanced analytics and the quality of the analytics. They had a manager in Dusty Baker who fostered relationships. He got that part of the human element of the baseball game down. But clearly, this analytics-driven process for the Astros worked. They have a pitching staff that can afford to lose Justin Verlander should they choose to this offseason because of how loaded they are, thanks in large part due to how analytics allowed them to acquire guys for cheap and maximize their output. How stupid is this? I'm more concerned about Aaron Judge. Are they no, going to take on, him? No, come on, come get, on. Get, seriously, how stupid is this? I, if they were failing, if they were not winning... Well, then no one, we wouldn't be talking about it on this program. We're talking about it because they're the reigning World Series champions. Although I must admit, John, I know you're a baseball aficionado and I enjoy the game as well. Uh, Kind of buried in the middle of the night. I had people as recently as like a month ago being like, did the Phillies win the World Series? Oh, that's on them. It was on a Saturday college football night. You got buried into the middle of the night. And moreover, I think the Astros run to the World Series, unless you are a baseball fan and you follow all the Major League Baseball teams. Like, it kind of snuck up on you. Like, the Phillies were a fun, feel-good story. The Yankees had Aaron Judge chasing history. Like, what do the Astros have? I understand, John. I understand you're a baseball parasite. They have a very good team. They have amazing pitching staff. They have analytics. But I think this is a call, a cry for... We need something sexy. We need to be in the news because, quite frankly, yes, they won the world. General manager, though, what's sexy about that? There's nothing. Trying to, I don't know, like maybe trying to get some player, some all stars attention with his, like, well, you should come here. Look at what they signed, Jose Abreu, and they did. They got Jose Abreu. I just, I don't understand the mentality. Now, listen, if it was a culture clash and. Maybe Click didn't match personally. He didn't mesh personally with Jim Crane. Okay, I get that. But if you're going to say, well, you know, it just the game needs to be more human and less analytics driven, that's a conversation that works if you didn't just win the World Series. This is a team that has been to three of the last five World Series. Right. Well, even when they fired him, it was kind of like, wait, like that again, like I understand baseball fans that are listening out there. Like, they obviously know the Astros won the World Series. They know what went down. But I'm telling you, there are average sports fans out there who, when they saw 
that the Astros fired their GM after they won or didn't renew, did not renew, excuse me, their general manager after they won the World Series. There were people looking around like, wait, 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 what, what? This just blows my mind. I'm all about keeping. Is Jeff Bagwell going to be the president and the GM of the Astros before this is all said and done? No, I don't think so. I think he's just going to be an advisor. But I, I understand the human element of the game. I'm a proponent of the human element of the game. But when you have a proven track record of success and that you are so much further ahead of every other team who's trying to follow your model that you guys made successful. And you're like, no, nah, we need to, we need to strip back on that. Just seems insane to me. If Jeff Saturday has proven anything, you may think I'm crazy, but I'm not. I don't know. Would you be uh, surprised? Wrap us up happen. here, Mia. Okay, so let's head on over to the National Hockey League, where Andre Burakovsky had two goals, including the winner in overtime, and the Seattle Kraken, one of my favorite teams. Uh, because I love the expansion teams. Defeated the Los Angeles Kings 9-8. to eight. Yes, you heard that right, folks. 9-8 Tuesday night. The highest scoring NHL game this season. It was the sixth game in the expansion era since 1967-68 to feature at least 17 goals and to be decided by one goal and just the second since 1984-85. The other was when the Winnipeg Jets won 9-8 at the Flyers up in Philly. On October 27th, 2011, my brother's birthday. Um, okay, so John, um, this can kind of bring us truly full circle because we started with the World Cup and now we'll go to the hockey. Um, do the hockey, do the sports, do the soccer. Um, two sports that are relatively pretty low scoring normally in a in an average game. Um, is this good for hockey? 9-8. I don't think it is. Mm, interesting. Go on. Hockey is a sport that is built on grit. And teams that have a good forecheck get noticed. You always see successful teams win Stanley Cups when they have a great defensive line. And defenders who can then turn that around and score also, those are the ones who become Hall of Famers. Nine to eight as a one-off shirt, it's it's fun. It's an anomaly. It happens. uh, very rarely just, just like nine six games in the national football league occasionally happen but it's it's fun when teams like the lamp but you lose a little bit of the chemical makeup of hockey when you have goals being scored left and right because then it starts to almost feel like an all-star game and i know that is probably going to be an unpopular take but I do think what makes hockey so special is that it is a game where athletes play so damn hard. And when you have defensive laps like this and goal tending laps like this, it almost becomes a parody of itself. So generally speaking, I don't think this is a good thing. If it happens every now and then, okay. It, it, we've seen a couple games this year. Uh, where teams have scored more than eight goals. So, again, I, I think the game risks becoming a parody of itself. And I'm just I, – I cautious fans who are like, yeah, yeah, more of this, more of this. We need more – I mean, keep in mind, when the NHL came back from the lockout in 2004, mm-hmm. they instituted the shootout because they're like, we need more offense. 
and think about how much the shootout, while it can be fun in a vacuum, it has also at the same time devalued some of these hard fought games. Right. And moreover, the value of a tie and getting X amount of points. Um, I think, again, I agree. I think it's a one-off. But now my question for you is, would you like to see a soccer match that is 0-0, like the United States and England on Saturday? Um, not as gritty, per se, as hockey, for sure, certain, although the Brits might have something to say about that, um, versus a soccer game that ends 6-5. to five. That's tough. That's tough. Because I know I was on the edge of my seat for that 0-0 tie. I was on the edge of my seat for the one nothing result on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, I, as, I, as the I, Greg I, Williams I, prevent defense is in full effect, I'm like, oh, my God, here I'm they the go. I'm the guy that just lives it up over a one nothing baseball game that's a pitcher's duel. So if we're using that mentality, I'm probably picking the lower scoring game because it also inherently increases the value of the goal that is scored or any shot on net. So I think that's why I'm probably sticking with the lower scoring. I think part of it too is like when you consider the pure square area of a hockey rink versus a soccer field, um, I think that it you never – like in terms of goal scoring chances in hockey, they are just so much greater. So you are on the edge of your seat so much more, even if it's only a 2-1, one, one nothing result. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't – I don't see anything wrong with a hockey game like that. Personally speaking, I prefer to watch hockey in person. Like that's where I get joy out of watching it. I don't really like watching it on TV. And I think a lot of that has to deal with the atmosphere. Same can kind of be said for soccer a little bit for me, not so much because I will watch it on TV. Um, But no, I I think that this is a one-off. I don't think that they're juicing the pucks. Don't worry. They're they're not juicing the pucks, John. I know that was a big, or um, uh, coding them. They're not coding the pucks. Um, they're not telling the goalies to throw the games. I think it's a one-off, but at the same time, um, it's still fun. Like, I mean, when those games do happen, it's the same thing as when we have baseball games where they score more than in a football game. And we're all like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. So yeah, okay. it happens. That's more than fair. Sometimes your balls score too. It's, it's okay. It does but happen. So pelvic it, contusions. It, they it happen. Do, it do be like that. Sometimes it do be like that. Okay, Mia. We got our weekly wager here. Well, wait, wait, let's first talk about our last weekly wager because we do because I actually was asked for an update on helmets and heels because it was Justin Fields. Okay. Shout out Taylor Dahl, one of my co-hosts, who um, big Bears fan, hosts a bunch of Bears podcasts on the side, and uh, she was very, very fascinated by my decision mm-hmm. on that Ju- Justin Fields rushing total. Um, and so the first thing she did after the game was over was she texted me and she's like, "Well, you won," and I was like, "Yeah, I know." You won on a circumstance. Yes. The dude got hurt. Right. And he was on pace to break the over-under. Yeah, but he didn't. So I'm going to call it an outlier. I'm going to call call it it an outlier. Can I ask you this uh, real quick, just because we have a little bit of time? Um, We were discussing this just off the air today, earlier. Um, If you're the Bears... And I don't know if you watched the Jets game on Sunday or not, since I know it was in the New York metropolitan area. Oh, no, you were in North Carolina, so you didn't. But the point is, is that the Bears were literally down to like their third string, fourth string defenders. The Bears are in a very unique situation where like they know they have their quarterback, but they know the rest of the roster sucks. So they very much want a top five pick. 
And so Justin Fields was limited this week with that separated shoulder. Um, they have their bye week next week, which is another topic we could probably get into because a week 14 bye, like that doesn't seem fair to me. Um, would you play Justin Fields if you're the Bears this weekend? Probably not. No. Yeah. I, I don't. The Bears are like in a weird state of abeyance right now. I'm not pushing. I mean, this is still at the end of the day. This is a young quarterback that you're still developing. Do you know who the Bears are playing this weekend, John? Would it be the Jacksonville Jaguars? No. Someone else we already discussed on this program tonight. The Denver Broncos. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. That's why when Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be good. I don't have any rib injuries. Um, it's more like, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he, he saw the scans. No, no, he saw the Bears defense. And so oh, I, can handle. I, can, I can deal with that. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Uh, so this wager, Mia, we might not be able to pay it off on Monday mm. because we're going to see how it ultimately unfolds. You, I know you've been waiting to talk about this, so we can hit on it next week. Aaron Judge. Okay. Oh, God, no. All right. No, no. I'm going to get upset. Aaron Judge. I'm going to put a monetary value on his contract, and you're going to okay. either take the over or you're going to take the under. Okay. We think he's signing by this Monday? I think he's signing by the end of the winter meetings. Okay. Okay. Interesting. The, the end of the, the winter meetings are going to go from Sunday to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So again, if we can't pay this off this coming week, we'll pay it off the next week because I do believe he will be signing by then. And Which actually may work because I may or may not have a conflict with a video shoot on Monday. So continue. And if he doesn't, well, then we'll just drop this wager whenever. Thursday. We'll wait to do the show Thursday. Continue. Right. The Yankees reportedly have an eight-year, $300 million offer for him right now on the table. Eight year three hundred. Three hundred. Eight year three hundred. Remind the folks, John, what they initially offered before the twenty twenty two season. So at the very minimum, at the very minimum, he made a seventy five million dollar bet on himself. At minimum. Yeah. I'm going to put the over under at three hundred and twenty five million for Aaron Judge that he ends up signing for, regardless of who it's with. Over. You're going the over. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll take the under just for the sake of the bet. Do I truthfully think he's going to get over? I think he's probably going to get 340, truthfully. Yeah, that's but, what I think, too. But the AAV at 300 in eight years would already be the most per year for any player in the game. So In um, history. So so maybe I'm overestimating it. Uh, not in, in – well, because – well, there's the outliers with – the Scherzer. Scherzer and Trevor Bauer types and all that, but but yes, for position player, for and a all position that. player, but yes. Yeah. So I'm, I, I will say for the sake of this bet, we're saying we're saying three twenty five. I'll say three twenty is what he comes in at, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna go above three twenty five. You're saying yes. okay? Yes, I uh, am. I'm very worried he's gonna who, chase the bag. He's not gonna is, pull it. Who's Jamie's going with? I'm very worried about the Giants. You think the Giants? Okay. I'm very worried about the hometown, non-discount, the hometown. Here's a bag. Come on home. Okay. Even though with the California taxes, that's why they're going to throw extra money in. I'm just saying it now. Even though the New York taxes aren't anything to cry home about. I don't either. feel confident, but I will say he signs for eight years, 
I just don't, I just don't, I would love to be proven wrong, but I just do not see a world where this Derek Jeter, um, you know, miscommunication, but he loves playing for the franchise. Like, I just don't see that happening in a situation like this in a social media age like 2022. All right. It's sad. I want to be proven wrong. I would love for him to be a Yankee for life, but I just don't see it happening. We will see what happens. We'll pay that off on a future weekly wager. This has been Out of Bounds with me, O'Brien, and John Alba. We appreciate you guys, and we will see you next time right here on Out of Bounds and Know Your News. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.